0: Today we're going to be in the Gospel of Mark, starting in chapter 16, and I want to talk with you specifically about the resurrection and the second chance. But before we get into that today, my heart is heavy, and some of you may have already seen the news as well, that our brothers and sisters in Christ have been attacked In Sri Lanka, there was a coordinated attack this morning. I read about it in the news just before coming into the service here today. Over 200 Christians gathering together in churches like this killed. 450 or more wounded. And my friends, as as we gather on a day like this, the gravity to think that these are individuals who will spend eternity with us must be upon us to realize that that ultimately what we're going to talk about today means that even that situation is a victory my friends it means that the terrorists cannot take down this hope when we gather together to talk about what Jesus has done on this glorious day of resurrection we're talking about something that the most malicious terrorists cannot rob from you and me. We are talking about a steadfast and eternal hope. And so we pray for our brothers and sisters around the globe. We pray for Christians in Sri Lanka. We pray for their families in the midst of this tragedy as there will be great adjustment. There will be great, uh, you can just imagine the internal conflict of the soul for those who are engaged in this. And I encourage you, I compel you, to pray for them but all the while let this my friends be a reminder that we've got a steadfast hope and that's why we talk about the resurrection and the second chance here on this day you've heard it said that one man's trash is another man's treasure well that's especially true for a German artist whose name is H.A. Schult now Schult is 79 years old And he's made a name for himself in the world of art by transforming items that he has mined out of the trash into works of art. In fact, he often spends hours rummaging through other people's garbage in search of inspiration for his art. And when Schultz finds that special piece of trash, he diligently labors to transform it into a work of art. And one of this artist's best-known creations is a set of a thousand figures made out of trash that he refers to as trash people. We've got a slide of that, these trash people. Schultz worked with 30 assistants for over six months to select and to clean and to fashion and to shape these bits of trash into these lifelike figures. They're the, the real shape and the real size of a real-life man. And since 1996, Schultz has taken his trash people to the public square in many popular destinations around the world. His trash people have appeared on China's Great Wall. They've appeared near the Egyptian pyramids. They've appeared on Moscow's Red Square and in, at Switzerland's Matterhorn Mountain. They've even appeared in New York City just to name a few locations. And with his trash people, Schultz seeks to champion the marginalized. He seeks to champion the exploited individuals while also challenging this sort of wasteful attitude that most humans have when it comes to our trash. But his basic motivating philosophy is that nothing deserves to be thrown away and discarded. For H.A. Schultz, even trash deserves a second chance. Well, this morning we're going to see that the God of heaven looks at you and he looks at me the same way that H.A. Schultz looks at a pile of garbage. You, You see, our God is the God of the second chance. Sure, we're messy. Truth be told, we stink sometimes. And we ought to be found in the trash heap. We didn't really ever accomplish what it was we were purchased to do, we're all broken. Someone has wisely said, if mess-ups were push-ups, we'd all be in great shape. But in His great mercy, God doesn't just throw us away. Sometimes you may feel like you've used up all your value in this world. Sometimes you may feel like your mistakes and your failures leave you with no enduring value to anyone or to anything else. But with a love that only God can offer, He offers us a second chance. He shapes us into something new. He offers us an opportunity to rectify our pride, to recover our peace, and to receive our purpose. So as we gather here on this Easter morning, you should know that God's second chances are offered to us through Christ's resurrection from the grave. And the experience of one individual from the bible's record in particular gives us rich insights into the second chances that christ offers us through his resurrection and that individual is simon peter now peter was one of jesus's closest disciples during his first coming here on earth as a part of jesus's inner circle that's a word that we use to describe those who really follow jesus the closest which included peter and james and john those brothers these were the ones that 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 We're closest to Jesus in his time on earth. When when Jesus went in his ministry into the bedroom of Jairus' daughter, this little girl who had died, as he went to grab her by the hand and raise her from the dead, these three were the ones who were with him. And, And then later, as Jesus was there on this mount of transfiguration, and God lifted the veil and the glory of who he was, was there in its unveiled form as they beheld who he was, It was Peter and this inner circle who were there with him. As a matter of fact, it was Peter who, in light of that situation, was the first one to confess that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of the living God. Peter was one of those three who were there with Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane as in pure agony over the awaiting cross. Jesus was praying such that his sweat drops became blood. Peter was the one who went to Jesus on the water as Jesus was there walking on the sea. Sure, his faith faltered. Sure, he began to sink. But you can see that Peter had a lot of privileges in his ministry. He had a lot of privileges in following Jesus. He was a very close disciple of Jesus. One of Jesus' best friends during our Savior's earthly ministry was none other than Simon Peter. But by the time we arrive at that first Easter morning, when Christ has just come up out of the grave, we find that Peter has shown himself to be, at best, a disloyal friend of Jesus. This one who is supposedly his master and his Lord, he has now betrayed, in essence. In fact, as Jesus was arrested and led away to be interrogated by the high priest, we read that Peter was following him at a distance. And Peter soon found himself gathered around a fire in the courtyard there with others while Jesus was undergoing this mock trial. And, And also gathered around the fire was this servant girl. And she looked at Peter and she recognized him. And the servant girl said, this man was with him too. And she rightly identified Peter as a follower of Jesus. But Peter denied her identification. He said, woman, I do not know him. Perhaps Peter was concerned for his safety. But perhaps Peter was ashamed of the one who is now on trial. In either case, he denied his Lord. And then came two other accusations that Peter was a follower of Jesus by individuals who were gathered in this same area. And all three times, Peter denied knowing Jesus. In fact, Mark 14, 71 reveals that with his final accusation from someone who said that Peter was a follower of Jesus, Peter began to curse and to swear, saying, I do not know this man you are talking about. All the while Jesus was there being falsely accused with no earthly friend to come to his side. And so the priests condemned him to be deserving of death. And some began to spit at him and they blindfolded him and they mocked him and they punched him in the face. While all of that was going on, Peter, supposedly one of Jesus' finest followers, supposedly one of Jesus' closest friends, was denying the Lord of glory. And with this third and final denial, a rooster crowed. We read about that in Luke chapter 22, verses 60 to 62. We read, immediately, while he was still speaking, a rooster crowed, and the Lord turned and looked. And that word means that he looked intently. He looked directly at Peter. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter, and Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had told him before a rooster crows today, you will deny me three times, and he went out and wept bitterly. If there's anyone who needed a second chance at this moment, it would have been Simon Peter. I mean, he had goofed it all up. He'd made a big mess of things. And, and in fact, we don't find Peter's name again until Jesus has gone beyond his trial. He's gone through his humiliation. He's gone through his death on the cross. No, Peter doesn't even appear at Je- Jesus' burial. The first time we read Peter's name again is after Jesus has been raised from the dead. And this mention of Peter that I want to focus our attention on here today is only contained in Mark's Gospel account, though all four accounts record the good news of the resurrection. And if you're like me, you probably read over this one mention a few times before without giving it any particular attention. That's likely because this grand account of Jesus' rising from the dead includes only two words that mention Simon Peter. But this brief mention is pregnant with the good news of Christ's resurrection and this hope of a second chance for Peter and a second chance for other failures like me and like you. So we're going to read now the good news of Christ's resurrection from the 16th chapter of Mark and as we get to those two words I'll draw your attention to them but, but all of this is good news so we gather today and we read all of this in celebration together all that it means for those of us who are in Christ for him to be resurrected so join me now in Mark chapter 16 starting in verse 1 if you're able I'd ask that you just stand that we might honor together the reading of God's word Mark 16 starting in verse 1 when the Sabbath was over Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome brought spices so that they might come and anoint him. Very early on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. They were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? Looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away, although it was extremely large. Entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting at the right, wearing a robe, wearing a white robe, and they were amazed. And he, that is this angel in the white robe, said to them, Do not be amazed, for you are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who has been crucified. He has risen. He is not here. Behold, here is the place where they laid him. Listen to verse 7. But go, tell his disciples... And Peter, he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. They went out and fled from the tomb, for the trembling and astonishment had gripped them, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Here ends the reading of God's word. You may be seated. As I've mentioned, two words stand out here in this passage, and those two words are simply the words, and Peter. This angel, obviously directed by Jesus to give instructions to those who come and witness this miracle of what has happened, give a two-word instruction. This angel gives two words that Jesus has commanded him to share with those who come. Go and share this good news with the disciples and Peter. This, these words come from that angel who speaks As this tomb has been opened, this this angel who speaks to these women who've come to to kind of fix up the shoddy preparation they had to carry out for Jesus' body because they could not tend to him with the pending Sabbath day. And this angel is preaching the gospel. He's sharing the good news that Jesus is risen. And in the midst of sharing this good news, this angel calls out only one individual by name. And it is Simon Peter there in verse 7. You know, I think if anyone was going to be called out in this gospel presentation by one of us, most of us would have chosen someone else to, to call out by name in this circumstance. Maybe we'd say, go and tell Pontius Pilate who sentenced him to death. Or go and tell his disciples and Simon the Cyrene who carried his cross, or go and tell his disciples, and Joseph of Arimathea, who purchased this tomb that he's now emptied out of. And truth be told, I think a lot of us would have written Simon Peter off at this point. As Jesus was being accused and abused just yards away, Peter had denied him. And if we were going to launch a worldwide campaign to share the good news of the gospel, Peter probably would not have been our top pick. But this angel's intentional calling out of Simon Peter has an important truth for all of us. It's a truth that you need to understand. So hear this truth, my friends. The empty tomb is full of second chances. Now I'm going to share with you from the example of Simon Peter three ways that the resurrection of Jesus offers you a second chance. Here's the first one. Jesus' resurrection offers you a second chance to rectify your pride. You see, Peter was proud of his position near Jesus. In fact, we read in Luke chapter 22, verse 24, that the disciples were arguing with one another about which one of them was the greatest. It's not the first time they've done that. We've been going through this study of Luke, and we've seen them do that just recently, back in Luke chapter 9. But Jesus warned these prideful disciples that the greatest among them must be the servant of others. And he described them as those who had stood by him in his trials. But then he called out Simon Peter in verse 31 through verse 34. Here's what Jesus told Peter. He said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you, that your faith may not fail. And you, when once you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. But he said to him, this is Peter speaking back, Lord, with you I am ready to go both to prison and to death. And Jesus said back to him, I say to you, Peter, the rooster will not crow today until you have denied me. Three times, denied three times that you know me. Even in this rebuke from Jesus about this forthcoming time when when Peter would ultimately deny him, there's this promise also of a forthcoming second chance. Jesus informs Peter that he'd gotten too overconfident. Peter thought that there was no way that he could ever fail Jesus. Even if he had to go to death or to prison, he thought he was ready to do so. But Jesus had to kind of bring Peter down to reality. He told Peter that on that very day, he would deny him three times. Peter was sure that this sort of thing would never happen. He was proud of his status with Christ. He was confident that he would not fall away. But Jesus knew better. And still, Jesus planned to give Peter a second chance. That's why he said to Peter, I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And then he spoke of this forthcoming time for Peter when Peter would would have turned again. That is, Peter would find his second chance and he would return to following Jesus. Jesus knew Peter would fail, but he had already planned to make provisions for the second chance. He had already planned to open the door for Peter to return again. And my friends, this is really the grand narrative of history. God created mankind and he knew that we would fail. He knew that we would spurn him. He knew that we would sin against him. He knew that we would take his commandments And then we tread all over them. And yet he still had plans to make a second chance for us. He still had plans to open the door for us to find forgiveness and purpose and life. But let's just say that after Peter found Jesus' words to be true, his pride in himself failed. After the resurrection, Peter's confidence in the Lord was high. But his confidence in himself had dwindled three times in John chapter 21, Jesus asks Peter, Peter, do you love me more than these? Jesus is referring to those other disciples who are gathered there around the fire together with him. He says, Peter, do you love me more than these? Because ultimately that's what Peter had said before, right? Even if everybody else turns away, even if these other suckers who are not as great great as I am, even if they don't follow you to death, I will, right? So Jesus now asks him three times in a row, Peter, do you love me more than these? And, And there's some word Usage that we really can't see in the English language because there's two words that we translate as love that are in play here. That there's a there's a what we call an agape love. It's from the Greek word agapao, okay, and it means a covenant love, a steadfast love, a love that's going to love you no matter what you do. I'm going to love you. My love is for you. You cannot lose my love for you. And then there's this kinship sort of love. It's a phileo love. We talk about the city of Philadelphia. It's the city of brotherly love. Phileo is a word which means brotherly love, or to to love someone in a kinship sort of way, all right? And so what Jesus is saying to Peter here these three times, the first two times, he says, Peter, do you agape love me? Do do you love me with all your heart? One commentator I read this week described agape love as 100% love and phileo love (coughs) as 60% love. He's saying, Peter, do you 100% love me? And Peter responds back and says, yes, Lord, you know that I 60% love you. You know that I phileo love you. You know that I love you in a, in a brotherly, kinship sort of way. Three times this goes on. Well, really twice, Jesus says, do you agape? Do you 100% love me? And, and, and both times, Peter replies back and says, yes, I, I phileo. Yes, I brotherly, I kinship sort of love you. And then the final time, Jesus says, do you Phileo, love me. Do you love me in this lesser sort of way? And Peter goes on to say, once again, yes. And and, and Jesus is ultimately calling out Peter's pride. He's causing Peter to realize who he is. He's calling Peter to realize that ultimately the love that I thought I had for you, Lord, is not the love that I lived out. Peter has been humbled through this experience. He realizes that he is flawed in himself. Peter needed to rectify his pride. And now this empty tomb provided the open door that he now walked through. And friends, if we get too confident in the strength of our faith, then we will fail. And and I'll say this to you, don't have faith in faith. Have faith in Jesus. I think sometimes in our culture people get the impression that growing up in a Christian home or being a member of a church or saying the right words or doing the right deeds are enough to get someone into heaven. But my friends, you can do all of these things. You can be a leader and a teacher in the church. You can be Jesus' closest disciple. But that's not the reason for our confidence. The reason for our confidence is Christ and what He has done for us. If we have faith in faith alone, that faith will fail us. But Christ will never fail us. So Peter had learned that his love had some chinks, but now he was really ready to truly love Christ in a way that relied on Christ rather than on his own position and his own experiences. And let me say this, your position and your accomplishments will never get you into heaven. I I don't care if you grew up in the greatest of all families. I I don't care if you've walked the aisle and you've signed the card and and you've repeated after someone with words of prayer. My friends, it is not the deeds of who we are. It is not the society in which we live. It's not the fact that we're a part of a "quote unquote" Christian nation, my friends. What saves us is Jesus. It is His righteousness in our place. It is, it is the fact that the just one has stood in our place as the unjust ones. It is the fact that He lived a sinless life, though we are sinners, and He bore the penalty that we deserved against a righteous and holy God. And so, my friends. Put your faith in Jesus. Don't put your faith in your experiences. Don't put your faith in something that you've done in the past. Trust in Him. Jesus alone can save. And all of us need a second chance. Jesus knew that all of His disciples would fall away. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The Bible says in Romans 3.23. If you have the impression that you don't need God's second chance, then you are in the greatest danger of all because that's where peter was before christ was led away and peter's fall had been so public you know when we attend a school play and a child forgets his lines we all stand there waiting with bated breath in the audience pulling for him as though we're saying the words to the play with our own lips We go to a little league baseball team and we see some scrawny young kid come up to bat and the poor young fella has two strikes on him. What do we do? We begin to pull for that kid to get his bat on the ball. And I think there's a sense in which all of heaven watched Peter fall. And now it's as though they are all pulling for him to get back up. Even the angels wanted Peter to know that the second chance was possible. It's as if the angel said, be sure to tell Peter that he's not out. He gets to bat again. They want Peter to know that one failure doesn't make him a flop. And my friends, I want to tell you the same thing. One failure does not make you a flop. As a matter of fact, you may have a multitude of failures in your past. But Christ offers to you a second chance. But you, my friends, must confess Your own pride. You must confess that you cannot do this on your own. You must confess that Christ is the only sufficient answer to the problem that we all share. Yes, Jesus' resurrection offers you a second chance to rectify your pride. That's the first way Jesus' resurrection offers you a second chance. Here's the second. Jesus' resurrection offers you a second chance to recover your peace. When Peter denied Jesus, the rooster crowed. And Jesus looked intently at Peter directly. And we read in Matthew twenty six seventy five that upon realizing that his pride had gotten the best of him, Peter went out and he wept bitterly. There was no peace for Peter at this time. Those who are at peace do not typically weep bitterly. Right? I mean, if I'm like in my house and I'm weeping bitterly and my wife comes to me and says, what's wrong with you? I say, I have perfect peace. She's not going to believe I'm telling her the truth, right? Peter was not experiencing peace in this moment. And you can imagine if Peter didn't have a second chance to make it right with Jesus, what would that be like? What, What would Peter's life from that point on be like? Can you imagine if his last interaction with the Lord had been his denial and the look of disappointment that Jesus shot back at him? Can you imagine if Christ had left him weeping bitterly? But at the dawn of that resurrection day, the angel had good news for Peter because Peter got a second chance. We can only imagine what Peter must have been feeling here thinking that Jesus was buried and that he'd never have the chance to right his wrongs. But that angel had a special message for the one who was weeping bitterly. And those two words, and Peter from the angel, shoot a flare into the dark to say, you get a second chance. And friends, the resurrection of Jesus from the grave opens the door for a second chance for all of us. You see, if Jesus was still in the grave, there would be no gospel There would be no good news. There would be no new beginning. There would be no second chance for any of us. We've all sinned against an infinitely holy and an infinitely just God. Our slightest disobedience to his commanded order is worthy of death and separation and eternal judgment. We are at enmity with God in our natural state. There is no peace for us. But out of the tomb emerges one who has borne the judgment that we rightfully deserve. Jesus has conquered the grave and his resurrection shows sinners everywhere that God offers you a second chance. There's a new day to recover your peace. I don't care who you are or what you've done. God offers you peace through the one who has stood in your place. And you need to know that the true and lasting peace That we were designed to experience is truly possible because Jesus is alive. God confirmed that this is his designed Savior to restore our perfect peace by raising Jesus from the dead. The empty tomb cries out. This is the one. Trust in him. Give your life to Jesus. Find a second chance to recover your peace. But I will say this. The second chance is not automatic peter got it but judas did not judas experienced remorse he felt bad for what he'd done but judas did not repent judas did not turn away from that and turn to christ as the only source to fulfill the need of his sorrow and his missed opportunities and his sin against god the rich young ruler that we read about in the bible did not get it either He was remorseful and he went away sorrowful, but we never read that he repented. Pontius Pilate regretted what he had done, but we never read that he repented. The second chance is not a get-out-of-hell-free card that says you can keep carrying out the same old sin time and time again without ever turning away from it. God's second chance is for those who have wept bitterly over their sin. They've come to realize that they are in the wrong and they've turned away from that, made Jesus the Lord over that, and they've decided to follow him instead. It was not Peter's cursing and denial that brought him mercy. It was his tears of repentance. There's no hope for a second chance for one who's simply sorry he got caught. But only for one with a truly repentant and broken heart. And Peter's bitter weeping marks the beginning of his return to restoration. The way back to God begins with a broken heart. So friend, I just want to ask you, are you broken over your sin? Do you realize that you can't live up to God's expectations by your own power? Well, I have good news. God's forgiveness invites you to a second chance. And let me say this, sin can do a lot of things. Sin can wreck hearts and sin can wreck homes and sin can wreck plans and sin can wreck people. But there's one thing that sin cannot do. Sin cannot make God stop loving you. Because Jesus' resurrection offers you a second chance to recover your peace. That's the second way Jesus' resurrection offers you a second chance. Here's the final one. Jesus' resurrection offers you a second chance to receive your purpose. You see, Peter lost his purpose when he stopped following Jesus closely. We read that as Jesus was arrested and, and taken away, Peter was following at a distance. Peter was in essence backsliding. That's the way that all backsliding begins. Instead of staying close to Jesus, we begin to follow him from afar. Though we were once among the people of God, and though we were once in the word of God, and though we were once in prayer to God, we were once experiencing the blessings of God, we start to put some distance between ourselves and God. We don't read the word as often as we used to. We find that we only pray when there's a pressing need. We let the flame of our faith dwindle. And friends, are you there today? Are you sliding away from the Savior? Have you forgotten his call to follow him? Well, after Peter's been humbled, after Peter's confessed that he loves Jesus to the best of his flawed ability in John 21, Jesus tells Peter these words in verses 18 and 19. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were younger, you used to gird yourself and walk wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands And someone else will gird you and bring you to where you do not wish to go. Now this, he said, signifying what kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. As Peter was restored to the master, he received his purpose once again. Surely, distant and dismayed, it would have been hard for Peter to follow Jesus. His failure would be ever before him. But now Jesus confronts that. Now Jesus offers Peter a second chance. And in the second chance, Peter receives his purpose back. Jesus summarizes that purpose with two simple words. Follow me. With this second chance of being a disciple of Christ, Peter is called to follow Jesus with all that he has left. And Peter does indeed follow Jesus. This time it's with no fear. This time, mean looks and threats of death opportunities to suffer Christ. Do not deter his purpose because his confidence is not in his own faith. His confidence is in Christ. Because Peter's second chance transformed his life. And Peter became a leader in the early church. In Acts 4.20, he says, We cannot but speak the things we have seen and heard, even as he's facing persecution and threats of his own death. You know, not many pastor search teams would have considered Peter to be a suitable candidate for their church in light of his recent failures. But God used this failure to deliver the most vital sermon in the church's history on the day of Pentecost. Our Lord told Peter, follow me. And Simon Peter did, in fact, follow him all the way to his death. By crucifixion, But ultimately, church history would tell us that Peter was crucified upside down because he said he was not worthy to be crucified in the same manner as his Savior. That's humility, my friends. That's new purpose. That's new peace. The resurrection offers a second chance to receive your purpose. And the same is true for every backslidden child of God who returns to the Heavenly Father today. Not only will he forgive your sins, but he can restore you to a place of service for his glory. He will put you back on the battlefield. He longs to meet with you today and to put you into that place of service. You know, I think about my own experiences. When I first came to Christ, I had graduated college. I got involved with this young adults group at a church that was there in Cary where I lived at the time, my first job coming out of college, and and truth be told, I was just looking for some friends to hang out with, you know, I had this, I'd grown up in church, I had this mentality that I was a Christian, but for me, really, I didn't reconcile who Jesus was, he wasn't a savior for me, he was a good guy who'd done some good things, some awesome miracles, somebody who had some good teachings. But as I got involved with this group, I remember going one day to an event. that Their auditorium was kind of like ours in that you could move all the chairs out. But they also had basketball goals that would come down. And so uh, where they met for worship, you could actually go and play basketball. So they had this event during the week where we went and played basketball with this young adults group. And I remember as we were there, and actually the basketball goals were there, they also had volleyball nets. On this particular day, the group decided to play volleyball. And I am no good at volleyball, okay? I just want to tell you all that. And on this day, I was especially bad. I remember stepping up to serve the volleyball. And every time I tried, it went under the net or over this way or back behind me or somewhere other than where it was supposed to be. And I, in my state, as a lost individual at that time, just began cursing out loud. It was all I'd ever known. And I can just imagine that no one in that group was thinking at that time, you know, let's give Jeremy an opportunity to teach let's give jeremy an opportunity to preach the gospel let's give jeremy an opportunity to step forward with that foul mouth of his and proclaim the majesties of christ because my friends i wasn't there but praise god for his second chance praise god that through his unfathomable mercy he saw an opportunity to give me a second chance. Little old me who had spurned him. Little old me who had rejected him. Little old me who had heard the gospel a thousand times before and had shunned him. And Christ, through his word, through these experiences, through these individuals, and through ultimately spending time studying, led me to himself to a point where one day as I was reading through the scriptures, I came to realize that I didn't have a race of faith. I wasn't walking with Christ. I wasn't living with, for him and so I hit my knees and found my second chance all glory be to God my friends he offers the same to you don't care who you are don't care how much you feel like you're a part of the rubbish of this world he can make a masterpiece out of you my friends if you will only let him the Bible is a story of men and women who receive a second chance When it came time to deliver a nation, who of us would have picked a murderer? But God did. Moses had blown it 40 years on the backside of the desert, prepared him to be the emancipator of his people. When the Lord spoke to him from a burning bush, he knew the second chance is possible. What about a fellow that was so full of lust? Would any of us have ever said that that guy would be a guy with a heart that's after God's own heart? But when we read King David's prayer and repentance in Psalm 51, we find that a second chance is possible. And what about Jonah? We all know the story well of how the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. He too found that a second chance is possible. And for those who have blown it, the message of the empty tomb is the message of the second chance. A poet named Louisa Fletcher Tarkington wrote a poem called The Land of Beginning Again. Here's how that poem goes. I wish there were some wonderful place called the land of beginning again where all of our mistakes and all of our heartaches and all of our poor selfish griefs could be dropped like a shabby old coat at the door and never put on again. Well, my friends, Jesus has risen from the dead. He is alive. And his life cries out to all of humanity that there is such a place and it is the church of the redeemed my friends we gather here week after week not as people who have come in perfection not as people who walk in what we ought to walk in but as a bunch of individuals who have been pieced together by a masterful savior who saw value in us even though we were dead in our trespasses and sins. A community of believers who are rallying around one another to spur one another on into growth, to spur one another on into turning away from the things which we are now dead to because we've been reconciled to God. And there is a place of hope. There is a place of the second chance. There is an opportunity for those who desire to come and bind together living for his purposes. It is the church of the redeemed. My friends, I just want to ask you. You know much better than I would know where you stand with the Lord. Are you in a place in your life right now where you need a second chance? You know, for so many folks, coming to church on Easter is kind of a relic of something that you had in your childhood. You knew that it was important to go to church back in those days and maybe you were a lot closer to the Lord in those days and you spent your time in His Word, you spent your time with His people. But through the years, you've just kind of fallen away. You've fallen away from pursuing these things. You've fallen away from a close relationship to the Lord. But you hold on to that relic and so when Easter comes around or Christmas comes around, you find that opportunity to get back among the believers because you know that there's some bit of something there that that you used to cling to. And and my friends, maybe in the midst of that, you're saying, I need a second chance to rekindle that fire. I need a second chance to find a community. I need a second chance to walk closer with the Lord. I need a second chance to follow Him. My friends, the resurrection is a promise. His second chance to you is available. Or maybe there's some of you who have never truly trusted in Christ to begin with. You've never really been in a church sort of context. Somebody just kind of said, "Hey, you want to go to church today?" You said, oh, "Sounds like the thing that Christians do on Christmas and Easter." So I think I'll, I'll drop in today. And in this appearance here today, you're hearing for the first time that that Christ does indeed offer new life, new hope. For those who ultimately are on the garbage heap of history, he restores us and calls us his children and grants to us eternal life. And you want to say, man, I need that second chance. Well, that second chance is for you. And so we rejoice in God's second chance. Would you pray with me? Father, whatever need may be on our hearts today, I pray you drive home this truth of your word. But the second chance is a possibility because Jesus is alive that, that Christ has come and that he rules and he reigns that he has conquered death on our sake on our behalf so that we could have life, true life, life that we did not have before and so Father whatever the need may be in those who have gathered here today including myself Lord I pray you to remind us And drive into our hearts the truth. That you offer a second chance. And Father, whatever the need may be in this day. If there are those who need your second chance. I pray that they would find it. Through your word. For those who need to have confidence in Christ. And not in their own faith. I pray you draw them to yourself. For those who need to find peace. In the midst of the turmoil they've been experiencing in life. I pray you'd offer that second chance. Chance for those who need purpose, who need to walk closely with you, to need to rekindle that fire. I pray you'd give them that second chance. As only you can do. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.